Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained above the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud only stayed only for evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful that you are exalted. You are the king exalted on high forever. God, your truth shall reign. God, we're seeking you this this day because we know you have a word for us, a word that's not just going to be encouraging, God, but it will forever transform our lives. Speak to us in this moment. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. We are concluding a series that we've been preaching over the last four weeks called Into the Unknown, Into the Unknown. The entire heart or the mindset behind this series is to get you ready for whatever is coming down the pike because we have proven one thing, we have no clue what is coming next. But here's what we do know, that God is in control and that he has given us wisdom, he's given us his presence, and no matter what comes our way, we we're going we gonna to be all right. I'm going to be all right. God is with us, and our best days are ahead of us. Now, I know you're probably kind of thinking like I'm thinking, okay, well, where are we as a church? When are we getting back to, to live services and a, some type of normalcy and all that other good stuff? And I'll tell you that is pretty much the primary conversation that our lead team and trustees and executive pastors are having right now, just making sure that when we do come back, we do it in a manner that is safe for every single person and that is in the best interest of, of the church and what God is doing, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really, I still don't know exactly when that time and when that moment is going to be, just to kind of put you at ease or at rest, to kind of what are we thinking through. We will be having online services throughout the month of May, and probably a little bit into June. I, I don't foresee us going back to live services in the next three weeks, but it is coming, it's coming, it's coming, and I cannot wait. As we conclude uh, this series today, I want to preach a message today, Mandela called, uh, when my plans are ruined. (laughs) When my plans are ruined. I don't know about you, but this COVID-19 has ruined a whole bunch of plans. It's ruined minor plans. It's ruined major plans. Me and my friends, we actually uh, have a guy's trip every single year where we go out for a few days and we'll play golf and we'll talk about the future and we'll challenge each other and encourage each other and all that other good stuff. And you can't really be challenged and encouraged in the cold. So we always go to like Miami or, or 
or Arizona or somewhere where it's hot and there's pools and all that. And law, my plans have been ruined. I mean, I need a golf club in my hand. I need something to just put my feet on. I can't swim. I'm going to learn how to swim, Mandela. And Jesus, don't laugh at me. God, I can ride a bike though, so I'm doing all right. But I'm telling you, my plans, and it may not be a big thing for you, but I've done this trip almost every single year, and my plans have been ruined. And I've found this season, all of us, entire, this is not even an over-exaggeration, the entire world is dealing with their plans being ruined on some level. Now, here's the thing, not all plans are the same. Some people, your, your, your plans that have been ruined might, might, might not be a major deal, but it is a disappointment. It may be like a vacation that you've had to postpone. So many people, they said tens of thousands of weddings have been pushed back. Sierra, y'all must have been prophetic because y'all knew I ain't, I ain't messed with this whole summer. Sierra said, I ain't pushing nothing back. We're going to have it when we set it. All the, they said tens of thousands of weddings have been pushed back. People have pushed back their plans, proms. Oh, my gosh, so many people are not going to prom. They're not walking at their graduation. Like, there are so many plans that have been ruined and it's causing disappointment. Now, now there's some things that, that may not seem major, like vacation or prom or whatever it may be, but it is a loss and it's, it's causing a disappointment. Then there's other things that, that are a little bit bigger and it's not even just a disappointment. Now it's a major delay. There's people that you may have been planning on, on moving to another city or starting a business or, or whatever it may be, and you just find yourself in limbo right now because all the plans that you have, they're just being delayed longer and longer and longer and longer. And then there's those of you that, 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 that the, the effect or, or the plans that have been ruined haven't just been a disappointment and it hasn't been just a delay, but it's been a devastation. Maybe it's a, a loved one or a relationship that is broken apart or the loss of a job or the loss of a business or whatever it may be. Here's the thing, all of us, whether it's in COVID-19 or some other encounter, we all go through seasons where the plans that we have are ruined and we find ourselves disappointed or we find our dreams delayed or even devastated. And here's what I've discovered. My ability to bounce back after a disappointment is going to dictate the amount of joy that I experience in my life. It's going to dictate the amount of impact that I'm able to have in life. It's actually going to dictate my relationship with God. Because here's the thing, setback is guaranteed. If you live on this planet more than about, what, like 30 seconds, all of your plans are never going to go exactly the way you are going to experience an encounter when some of your plans are ruined. And if you don't know how to bounce back after setback, you're going to find yourself paralyzed in the place where plans were ruined. Here's what I need you to understand, that setback can be a catalyst to launch you further than you were before. But it will only happen if we figure out, how, how do I bounce back? How do I, yeah, I said bounce back and I think about somebody falling. You can hit the ground and bounce right up or you can be like Humpty Dumpty and hit the ground and, and just pray. We're going we're gonna to set you up today so that you can bounce back from that disappointment or that delay or that devastation. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. For disappointments, I need a trust that it's bigger. 
When I encounter a disappointment, I need to trust that it is bigger than I thought it was. As we read in this opening passage about the children of Israel, they were in slavery in Egypt. And I just find myself in this passage over and over and over again because I think it speaks to so many emotions that we encounter. Here they are in slavery for over 400 years. God comes and sends a deliverer, Moses, to rescue them. And they come out of Egypt and said, I have a land that I've promised you, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's beyond your wildest expectations. And then for the next 40 years, they trekked through the wilderness, facing delay after delay after delay, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Devastation after devastation after devastation. And if they didn't know how to bounce back from those disappointments, those delays, those devastations, they would have found themselves in a position where they were missing out on the promise that was bigger than they could ever have imagined. Here's what I do with my disappointments. I have to realize that if I'm disappointed, it's bigger than I thought it was. You want to talk about disappointment. The disciples were disappointed. Here it is. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and that he would be king of earth. When he said, I'm uh, I'm the son of David and I'm the king of kings, they thought, cool, you're going to kick Caesar out and we're going to reign. If you remember, they were arguing, who's going to sit on the right? Who's going to sit on your left? Can you imagine the disciples' disappointment as they're looking at the cross? And they see Jesus breathing his last breath. The Bible says that they were so petrified by what they had encountered that they locked themselves in a room in fear, thinking, if if Jesus' story ended this way, imagine what is going to happen to us. We are going to face disappointment. Watch this. Even as followers of God. And we're going to have to figure out, how do I manage this disappointment? Here's the key. My perspective, the right, a healthy perspective, can change devastation into a simple disappointment. It it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, but with the bright perspective, I don't have to be devastated. I can simply be disappointed. We're we're, we're helping our children, uh, Zoe and Roman, Zoe's three, Roman's two, and we're helping them uh, articulate their emotions and kind of figure out how they're feeling. Right now, they're at that age where they're devastated over everything. Like, like, I mean, if anything does not go their way, I mean, it is complete meltdown. I was talking to Zoe, my three-year-old, this week, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, I'm so sad. And I mean, she's the cutest little thing in the world. You're just like, Zoe, Zoe, why are you sad? She's like, Daddy, I'm sad. I said, Zoe, why are you sad? Because mommy won't let me watch TV. I said, listen, boo-boo, <laughs> you are not sad. <laughs> you, you, you are maybe disappointed. You're, you're maybe frustrated. You really wish that you were the one in control. But that is not sadness. I can teach you sadness, but that is not sadness. There's, there's a, a, a worker in a Destiny Kids named Lola. And I don't know what spell Lola has put on my two-year-old son, Roman, but this joker walks around my house, I miss Wawa. He can't say Lola, so he says Wawa. I miss Wawa, I miss Wawa. And now he doesn't even know what to do, so every time he's crying, I'll say, Roman's wrong. He's like, I miss Wawa, I miss Wawa. And I'm just like, bruh, calm down. You can't be crying over a woman at two years old. You got long, yeah. 
I probably shouldn't have said that. You got a long time to cry for. But he's just having this meltdown, and we're trying to help him realize, hey, you may be disappointed. It, it may not have gone the way that you wanted, but you don't need to be devastated over it. All of us, so many of us that are parents, we're helping our children navigate in a healthy manner disappointment. Here's the problem. We're helping our kids do what we can't even do. We're trying to help our children navigate disappointment. And if we were to be honest, we as adults, we struggle navigating disappointment. Well, let me help you this. Here, here's the first key to navigating disappointment. Don't pretend like you're not disappointed. Don't, don't act like, like, oh, it's no big deal, water off my back or, or whatever it may be. No, 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 no. Sadness is, is a genuine emotion when, when maybe you didn't get to go to prom or, 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 or you lost that job or whatever it may be. There is nothing wrong. Actually, sadness is a healthy emotion. Maybe you feel dejected. Maybe you feel disappointed. What happens so often is we don't allow ourselves to acknowledge that I really should be disappointed over this. So somebody asked me uh, in the, the singles IG Live that we did, um, how, how do I get over a breakup? And, and I, I just feel, I just feeling really bad. It broke up. It didn't work out. And I just feel horrible. And I'm not quite sure what to do. And, and I'm, I'm just weird. But I feel like if you break up with someone and you don't feel bad, you're shady. Because you were playing them the entire time. Like, like, it's a natural emotion. If you're dating someone, you should be hoping that it's leading to marriage. And when it doesn't, you shouldn't be devastated. But there should be a, man, I thought that was going to work out. Unless you realize they ain't the right one and then you're running for your life. <laughs> you're just like, ah! But there should be a natural man that didn't go my way. And, and, and I'm, I'm dejected. Huh? I'm frustrated. They said in this season that, that alcoholism is growing by over 100% and, and addictions and all that other kind of stuff during this pandemic season. And watch this, the primary demographic that is growing under Mandela is men. Because so often for us, we're taking care of our kids, we're taking care of our spouses or whatever, and we refuse to acknowledge the emotions that we're even feeling ourselves. I'll be honest with you, as I've been going through this whole season, you know, I'm the pastor of the church, so I have to, you know, be strong, and I have to lead and, and guide and all that, and then I have to make sure that my family feels safe and secure and all that, and I realized a few weeks ago that I haven't even really addressed how I feel in this season. Listen, when you experience your plans being ruined, there is nothing wrong with admitting the fact that, man, this just got to me. This is just not the thing that I wanted to encounter. A matter of fact, they said the first stage of grief is denial. And until you get past the denial and you actually admit, man, that really got to me, that really bummed me out, you can be in danger of being paralyzed in that place of disappointment. It breaks my heart because there's some of you that you've been disappointed 10 years ago. And because you didn't know how to get past that place of disappointment, you found yourself paralyzed in that moment. I was reading uh, just, just uh, some, some history, and, and I was reading about World War II, and uh, uh, I, I read about the Battle of Stalingrad. The Battle of Stalingrad, it, it was, historians believe that it was the deadliest battle in the history of the world. It was during World War II, the then Soviet Union was defending their city against the Nazi uh, Germany and an alliance army, and it was a five-month battle. 
They believe through both sides that there were over 2 million either casualties or severe injuries, the deadliest battle in the history of the world. Five months straight, they were at war with some of the closest combat we had ever seen in this modern era of combat. Now, here's the thing. That battle was the turning point in the World War II. The Soviet Union ended up recapturing that city and capturing over 100,000 of the enemy troops. And that is the battle that they believe that turned the course or turned the tide of the entire war. Now, here's the thought that came to my mind. It was a five-month battle. Imagine if they had stopped fighting after the first day of losses. Imagine if they had looked in that first week and, and the Soviet Union had realized, man, we've lost more than we anticipated. This cost us more than we anticipated. And they had just stopped and surrendered in the first week. Watch this. It was a five-month battle. Imagine if they had quit in the fourth month. What, what am I trying to say? That the reality is we're going to lose some battles. You're going to have some things that are not going to go your way. You're going to have some encounters that are truly disappointing. But here's the thing. If you focus on that one encounter, you can get paralyzed there. But if you realize this was just one battle in a much bigger war, and I may have lost this battle, but I'm not going to lose the war. Listen, it was that moment that turned history and has the world where we know it today. How, how do I deal with disappointment? I realize that there's a bigger picture that's going on. Here's the disciples, they're, they're looking at Jesus on the cross, the guy that they thought was gonna be the overthrow of the Roman Empire, and, and when it didn't go the way that they thought, they were devastated. The only reason they were devastated is because they didn't have a proper perspective. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he being Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So here's the disciples. They're looking at Jesus on the cross, and they're saying, we lost. And God the Father is looking at his son on the same cross and saying, we won. Because their perspective was limited to that moment in history, and God's perspective was limited to eternity. They said, man, we're trying to overthrow Rome. God says, I'm trying to give him a name that is above every name, and that at his name, because of what he's going through in this moment, cancer has to bow to him, and sickness and disease and depression. There was something bigger going on than they could see. And here's how I get past disappointment. I realize that while I'm disappointed in this moment and this sadness or, 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 or this dejection that I'm feeling right now is real and it's valid, there's a much bigger picture that is going on. I, I don't want to seem uh, in, in, in a sensitive to your pain. But in the grand scheme of things, if your life was a book, this disappointment that you're encountering right now it wouldn't even fill up a chapter. When it's all written, and I don't want to be like that old guy that, that you know, you know the old people are just like, man, when I was your age, I would be That's my old people voice. But I'm going to be that old guy just for a second. I'm not even going to ask you guys. I'm going to stay out of trouble. In the reality of things, your prom means about less than this. 
in your 90-year existence here. Now, right now, it's the biggest thing. And listen, I don't want to be insensitive. There's nothing wrong with experiencing real sadness and real loss because you didn't get to have that encounter in this season because your plans were ruined. But if you can just get a bigger perspective, there's so much more that is going on. And yes, that's a real loss. I lost that battle. I have not lost the war. The second thing I want you to write down is this. For, for disappointments, realize that it's bigger. But for delays, trust that it's better. If you've encountered a delay, you need to trust that there is something better going on in this moment. There's those disappointments that they're just frustrating, but they're not life-altering encounters. But then there's those moments where because of my plan being ruined, there's so many things that are having that domino effect. There's so many things that I'm going to have to push back, that I'm going to delay, that is not taking place in this moment. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. When, when, when I'm looking at something and I'm desiring something and it's just not working out in the time frame that I want it to work out, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says it actually makes you sick. Here are the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness and, and they're hearing about this promised land that God had for them. And, and here's the horrible thing about it. It was a two-week trip. Like it took two weeks to get from Egypt to Canaan. And SpongeBob don't know anything about this. 40 years later, they're still there. Their plans were so delayed. And I think sometimes when we read scripture, I'm, I'm not saying y'all, me. When I read scripture, I make fun of the people in the scripture. I'm just like, y'all have lost your mind. And I think sometimes I do that because I don't really understand what they're in. They were so frustrated and devastated by their delay. They, they were asking to be sent back into slavery. They literally said, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Why don't we just go back to this or why don't we just go back to that? Maybe you've encountered that where you launched out and you started your business and it just hasn't taken off the way that you thought it would take off. And even though you felt that you made the right decision and it was God, you just find yourself so frustrated with the delay that you're thinking about going back to what God brought you out of. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you stepped away from an ungodly relationship and you were just like, that's not God's best for me. But after stepping away, you find yourself single longer than you thought you would. And especially, boy, this, this stay-at-home order got people all the way losing their mind. <laughs> you know what? It wasn't as, it was as bad as you remember. Don't go Back. Israel found themselves so frustrated in their delay that they were actually contemplating going back to the slavery that God had brought them out of. What do I do when I find myself in a position where all of my plans have been delayed? Well, you need to understand this, that if my plans are delayed, it's simply because it's better than I thought it was. I, 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 I remember uh, it was probably at this point about five years ago in the church, we, we had two different locations. We were in a high school in Laurel, and we were in a small building in, in Baltimore that sat like about 100 or 150 people or so, and, and both locations kind of just weren't moving the way that I wanted them to move, and, and we were packed out in one, and we were real slim in the other, and, and it was just like, man, we had been praying for a permanent building for years at that moment. 
And it just seemed like a God thing. We encountered the most amazing building you could have ever thought of. I was, I was bugging out. I mean, it was brand new. There was ample parking. I probably shouldn't say this. There was more parking than we actually have right now. I mean, there was parking as far, I'm not going to say that again, as far as the eye could see. It was amazing. It was in our price range. And we were probably about eight weeks away from moving into that building. I had announced it to the entire church. We're combining the two locations. Mandela, I told everybody we were moving. It's one thing to know where you're going and just, it's a completely different thing when you tell, hey, pack your things. The cloud has moved. The cloud has moved. We're moving on and, and we packed the things up and we're getting ready to go into this building. And, and, and long story short, the deal fell apart. We ended up not moving into that building. If you were here those years ago, you remember we moved into Appleton High School, which was a great move. It just wasn't what I was hoping for, and, and that dream of having a place that we could call our own was delayed. And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, I literally was like, God, what's up with that? God, you said you're a provider. God, you, you said that you'll give us everything that we need, and God, we really needed a building, and, and how in the world could that well, fast forward, now I know that building was one-third of the size of the building that we're in right now. And if we had moved into that building five years ago, it would have been obsolete, and it would not have been a blessing to us in that moment. Here's the problem, and I hate to say it this way. My vision and my faith was too small. I was just looking for something for security. God says, no, 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 you're thinking too small. I have something bigger. I have something greater than you could have ever thought or imagined. Hear me. If there's any plans in your life that have been delayed, it is always because it's bigger than you thought it was. I, I think about Abram. All Abram wanted was a child. He had to wait a hundred years for that child. But here's the thing. When he got the child, he didn't get a son. He got a nation. I think about Rachel and how devastated she was that Leah was able to have children and she wasn't, she said, God, all I want is a child. Well, when Rachel had a child, she didn't just give birth to a son, she gave birth to a deliverer. Every time you think about Hannah, all these people waiting on children. I just sense, I'm telling you right now, one of my best friends on planet Earth was just sharing his testimony. He said two years ago, somebody, the doctors told him that it was physically impossible for him and his wife to have any children, give up all dreams. You're not going to have biological children of your own. That was two years ago. He is now holding his, I believe he's about three-month-old son. The kid looks like he's about 15. I mean, he's a bruiser. <laughs> But hear me, hear me, hear me. There is somebody right now that you're dealing with the devastation, the delay of that hope, that dream. It may not be a child. It may be a relationship. It may be a business. It may be whatever. Hear me. If you're waiting, it is bigger than you thought it was. I remember Daniel, when he was praying and saying, God, you said 70 years in, in, in captivity and then you'll bring deliverance. What's up with that? Daniel was waiting just to get free. God was sending him heaven's armies. There is no time in Scripture where somebody was delayed on account of God and it did not turn out bigger on the other side. Whenever I'm delayed, I need to understand it's bigger than I thought it was. Now, now here's a big key. All delay is not God delay. 
Sometimes we get into this position where we're like, well, if it didn't work out of my plan, it must be because God said no. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. This is the apostle Paul saying that the enemy delayed him from doing what he desired to do. So hear me, not all delay is God saying no. Some delay is actually the enemy blocking what God has in store for you. For example, in the book of Daniel, it says that he prayed for 21 days. And on that 21st day, the angel appeared to him and said, from the first day you began to pray, I was sent, but I was caught up, delayed in warfare with the enemy. As you know, we we do 21 days of prayer and fasting every January. We are doing 21 days of prayer coming up in August. And, you know, sometimes people get real, like, religious and legalistic about this 21 days, 21 days, 21 days. And we do 21 days, so don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with 21 days. I just feel like it would have been 19 days if the angel had showed up in 19 days. It would have been 23 days if the angel had showed up in 23 days. It's not the number. It was Daniel was saying, I know that God is going to come through, and I'm not going to stop and think it's a no because God promised me a yes, so I'm going to keep pushing in until I see it come to pass. Whatever delay you're experiencing, understand it is bigger on the other side. It is better than you thought it was. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it. You, you can't touch a degree. Not that, I don't know if we had touch a degree church anyway, but look at somebody next to you and tell them it's worth the wait. Come on, tell somebody it's, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. It says, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. This verse seems like it contradicts itself because it says the vision that God has for you, wait for it. It's going to take a long time, but when it comes, it is going to explode on the scene. Here, here's what I've even started doing. I've even started waiting intentionally. I've seen doors open and opportunities, and I've said, man, this is good. But if this is good now, imagine what it'll be five years from now. I've actually started now. I'm not saying to miss God opportunities. If you have a piece about it, God's opened the door, go for it. But I've just discovered that sometimes the longer I wait, the better it gets. And if it's the first one is good, the next one must be better. Hear me, if you find your plans delayed, it is only because it is better than you thought it was. For disappointments, it's bigger. For delays, it's better. The third one is this, for devastations, I need to trust in God. If I'm disappointed, it's bigger than I thought it was. If I'm delayed, it's better than, but what happens if I'm devastated? There's one thing for something not to go your way, but you know it's going to circle back on the other side. There's one thing for for your plans to be pushed back, but, but what if I find myself in a position where it's a real loss? That business is closed, and it is not opening again. That loved one has passed away, that, that, that marriage is over. What do I do when I find myself in a position where I have truly lost something that's unrecoverable? 
I find in that moment there's such a temptation to become hopeless. Here, here, here's what Israel said to, to Moses in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. They said, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? They said, you really just brought me here because the pain we were experiencing back there must not have been enough. Some of you may find yourself in that position where you're like, man, if what I've been through hasn't been enough, now this is what I have to go through. And you just find yourself saying, man, if I knew I was going into this, I, I would have preferred to go back to that addiction or go back to that bondage or that unhealthy relationship or whatever it may be. I find myself just at a complete loss. Hear me. In that moment, there's a moment to lean into God's presence like never before. Here, here, here's what struck me. We get devastated when our plans seem to be ruined. Not, not, not delayed, not, 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 it didn't quite work out. No, no, that plan will never come to pass. But here's the thing. God never called us to follow our plans. He always called us to follow his presence. He, he, he never said, hey, hey, write out everything that you want to do, and as you write out everything you want to do, I'm going to do it exactly the way that you wrote it out. No, 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 no. He said, follow me. In the passage that we read in Numbers chapter 9, verse 17, it says this, whenever the cloud lifted above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. So as God led Israel out of Egypt, it says that there was a pillar of cloud by day that went before them that was literally physically the presence of God. And by night, it was a pillar. Could you imagine this, I mean, tower of fire that was leading an entire nation, over three million people, many believe. Could you imagine how intimidating that was? Just to look out into the desert and to see this pillar of fire. And Israel... They didn't make their life plans based on the weather. They didn't make their life plans on what appeared to look right or which of their enemies looked weak or looked vulnerable or whatever it may be. They made their life reactions based on what that cloud and what that pillar of fire was doing. So when it was stationary, they were stationary. And when it was moving, they were moving. It said sometimes it would stay only a night. Sometimes it would stay a week, sometimes it would stay a month, sometimes it would stay there for a year. They said that sometimes it would just open up in the middle of the night and it would begin to move. Could you imagine how frustrating that is? Like you're sleeping. Hey, hey, let me, let me think. Ephraim, Ephraim, wake up, Ephraim. Ephraim, wake up. Oh, oh. The cloud, the cloud, it's moving, it's moving. What time is it? He was looking at his Apple Watch. What time is it? I don't know. God's moving. Yeah, but last time he moved, we only moved a week. We only moved a couple of miles. Don't, don't, don't worry about where he's moving. But if he's moving, we're moving. They'd pack up their things, wake up their children, put their clothes on, put their, their pouches on their back. You want to talk about unknown? 
They had no idea what they were going to face next. It could be snakes one day. It could be an enemy that wanted to overthrow them. It could be a nation pretending to, 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 to be starving to death and really trying to trick them. They, they didn't know what they were going to encounter. But here's what they knew. The pillar of fire, but the cloud that his presence is moving. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Pick up my things. Say, God, where you lead, I will follow. Literally, just one step in front of the next. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this. You may know this passage. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and watch this he will make your paths straight do you really think that God brought you this far to leave you do you really think all those times that he covered you, that he spoke to you, that he encountered you, that, that he protected you, do you really think he left to brought you all that way just to leave you halfway there? God says, no, 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 no. When you can't see two feet ahead of you, just trust me. When none of it makes sense, just trust me. When it seems like you've encountered a loss that's beyond recovery, just trust me. I will make it work out for your good. I will make your path straight. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know when we're going to get through this storm, and I don't know what storm is waiting on the other end. But here's what I do know that God's presence is there before we could even get there. And as long as we trust his presence more than we trust our plan, we are going to look up and find ourselves in a position that's above and beyond anything that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. He is with you, and he's for you. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that the ultimate bounce back from every setback is you. It's your presence. It's the fact that you are with us and God, you're for us. So God, in this moment, I pray over every single person under the sound of my voice. God, those that have encountered disappointments, delays, and God, even devastations. God, that you would make it bigger than they thought it was, that you would make it better than they thought it was, and God, that you would reveal that you are closer than they could ever imagine. Right where you are, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Maybe you realize for the first time that that I can't say that I've been leading my life based on God's presence. I haven't acknowledged him and surrendered my path to him. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but you just have never given him control. Or maybe this is your first time even being challenged with the question of where does your faith lie? Does it lie in your ability or does it lie in the King of kings and the Lord of lords? But I'm telling you, one step of faith, one decision of God, I choose to trust you with all that I am, and it will change every loss into a victory. 
you're saying, Pastor, I want to make that decision. I want to put my hope, I want to put my trust in God right where you're sitting. Can you close your eyes? Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I choose to trust you. I choose to surrender, to give you all that I am. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.